Do you know who Celeste and Lawson is? Who? Miss Tina. It was her birthday. It was recently. her birthday. Yes, it yes. was. I mean, a queen that gave birth to several queens. <laughs> <laughs> She is the mother of queens. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's Beyonce. Of course, we stand Beyonce. So Ivor,、mm-hmm. do you know what really hand sanitizers my paper cut? <laughs> oh, that sucks.、Um, it's this story that has been very. Heavily covered in Korea lately,、mm-hmm. um, about the 16-month-old little girl that died as a result of child abuse and like neglect by her adoptive parents.、Um, so I've been like obsessively following this story, and it's been bad for my mental health, probably. Oh yeah, but <laughs> I. The- The details are just shocking and horrifying, and then also a bit of their、um, the parents' reasoning. Yeah,、um, I mean, like we're not a legal podcast, so I'm sure that we don't understand the full complexity of like what they're being prosecuted for or like what are the ramifications that they're facing. But just from like a regular person's、moral. standpoint, from a moral standpoint, yeah, it's. Horrible! It's just wrong. If you have any opinion about this that isn't in support that this is wrong, you are loud and wrong. You are loud and wrong and very wrong. All right. So today I'm coming to you in the spirit of、uh, the perky positivity of a bulky ballet dancer's glutes, because <laughs> I wish I could just have just a modicum of that strength. That's all I want. I am coming to you with the calm, consistent vibes of Ivor's bamboo plant, just relentlessly outgrowing its little pot. Just relentlessly. Speaking about relentless, remember last week or last time in body talk, and I said that relentless roll of disappointment、yeah. around my stomach. Yeah,、um, it's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah, Progress.、So. Positivity. Change. Positivity. <laughs> okay, so I think we should get into the. The story. Yeah, the story. So she basically endured this abuse for like eight months, and there were repeated reports from like people who are mandatory reporters. So if you see, if you suspect a child is being abused, then you have to report it to the police. But then all of this was horribly mishandled and just kind of swept under the rug. They're like, oh, you know, it's not really a big deal, and so this continued, and then eventually this little girl died. And during the autopsy, it was discovered like just how much suffering she had gone through. I tried to read, or I did read one article, and it left me way too emotional to continue. I don't know how you did that. But this is definitely something worth talking about because we do live in a society where certain groups of people go largely unseen. They do. They're not represented. Their interests or their rights are largely ignored. I mean, I'm not Korean, so for me to understand everything in its nuances is I have a limited understanding、mm-hmm. and also a limited. But at the end of the day, when it comes to abuse. It is wrong. I don't care if it's part of whatever way you choose to treat people, and if that's seen or seen as okay or just ignored. It's still wrong. 
So like the recent kind of awareness campaign that's been spreading on Instagram and social yeah. media, um, people are holding up signs that say um, like "Tongina Biane" or mm. like "Tongin, we're sorry." Essentially, yeah. um, and like Jimin from BTS? BTS also took part in this, and mm. I think that's a great way for like people who have influence, people who really do have a platform, yeah, to bring attention to these kind of cracks in policy or in the laws where people get away with things that are just wrong. See, that's the beautiful thing about uh, groups that have this massive platform like BTS. I mean, in Korea, it's crazy, but mm -hmm. also all over the world, Globally. people love them. And for someone like that, like like someone, a member of that group, to bring attention to this does get the news out like the world over. No, and I remember when... Oh, sorry, cut you off. Um, no, it's just I, I'm not a big fan of... Not a big fan. Like I'm not partial to BTS, but something like that. <laughs> is a wonderful thing and i do give them all the props yeah and i remember like when um there were a lot of black lives matter protests happening mm. around the world but then especially in america mm. um bts donated to yeah, a did. lot of causes they like the the fans i mm -hmm. guess and the korean the k-pop fans yeah they took over like surveillance um, tip lines they oh, overwhelmed yeah. like the police station With the so fan that, cams yeah the fan yeah. cams they made it so that they had to like take down the website or they Basically, took over they saw that the police were racist obviously yeah. and they said not, not today. on BTS's internet we're not doing that not today Satan not today and that was a beautiful thing yeah they took over like the hashtag like whiteout mm -hmm. movement that was on Instagram where people were trying to counter the blackout movement mm -hmm. so just a lot of positive uses of fame and influence yeah and our story today is very heavy but it's very nice to balance it out with some things like that like what bts is doing and the awareness that it brings to it mm -hmm. um and also like personally like it makes you examine your own morals i know it's very uncomfortable to just imagine how a 16-month-old can be abused to that degree. And I'm sure you may want to go into the details because I know a little bit. Mm. But if you don't feel something for that and if you don't feel some space or something in you that gets angry and try to either do something about it or be more aware or open your eyes to see other kids or see other people or see the signs of abuse in someone else. Mm -hmm. And when people speak up and they say something, listen believing people like even if it's children like believing someone when they say they've been hurt is such a powerful thing that we can all do so like speaking of something that we can all do mm. collectively i think boundaries we're discussing boundaries is part of that because abuse really comes down to not respecting that other person as their own person yeah and boundaries or respecting boundaries is a huge part of that if i don't have clear boundaries for myself mm -hmm. how can i respect someone else's boundaries when i don't know what those are exactly if you don't see boundaries then you're not going to see anyone's boundaries and you're not going to respect them and just because you're close to someone doesn't mean you can't have boundaries <laughs> right like whether it's family or relationships or friends um teachers mm. uh, parents with children like children also need to 
have their boundaries. Exactly. Just like, because yeah. you're a child doesn't mean that you don't have a right to privacy or you don't have a right to your own space. Bodily yeah. autonomy. Like you had said earlier about the, like, if the baby doesn't want to hug grandma, then grandma shouldn't feel a right to touch the kid. Exactly. That kid has a right to whatever amount of personal space and contact they're comfortable with. Yeah, they're have a right to feel what they feel and not be invalidated by an adult. And that just expands later in life into like having proper consent for like physical contact. Those it creates mental problems that manifest themselves in many different ways. It could lead to you becoming a victim of abuse, sexual abuse or because you don't know how to speak up because all your life you've been taught to just accept what adults do and now this happens to you and then you don't have any boundaries you don't feel like you have the right to speak up you don't have the confidence to say no i don't like this and expect that someone else will respect that statement from you yeah we can even go into employer and employee and have Mm. boundaries between that because i know in korean culture that is a very tricky sensitive issue like employers traditionally have a lot of control over their employees Mm -hmm. that goes beyond paying their salaries. It's difficult to maintain more of a personal professional boundary in Korea and especially with like the long work hours and the expectations that you like put your all into work. It's especially hard for people to delineate like what is acceptable and what Mm. is unacceptable. And you just have to listen to the person that's older than you. And just because they don't see a problem with it doesn't mean that it's not a problem for you. Yeah. So especially with children, I mean, there's a lot of influence in Korean culture from like Confucianism or like that idea that your parents gave you life and so you owe them and you mm-hmm. should be forever grateful and you should always listen to them and they always know best. I mean, like it's changing somewhat. These days, I can feel it, but there's still that very heavy cultural influence that your parents have this kind of absolute authority over you. Yeah, and what people confuse is just because you say no doesn't mean that is a lack of respect. Exactly. Like saying no is also a manner of respecting yourself. You need to learn how to respect yourself to have boundaries. And in that way, I I guess you become a much more rounded, stable person that is able to identify and respect other people too. Mm -hmm. So like parents shouldn't be seeing it as disrespectful or offensive when their child doesn't agree with them or doesn't want to do something that they would like them to do. Your child is not an extension of you. You don't no. you don't own your child. You like they happened to be born because of you, but they don't owe you for the rest of their life just because you had them. You they, chose to have them. Okay, you chose to have the kid. They didn't choose it. So for you to hold that against them in the manner of respect and authority doesn't make sense when you look at it i know that their parents did the same thing to them Mm -hmm. but at some point you have to become a little bit introspective and break that cycle and just remember how you felt and do you want your child to feel that same way do you want them to have the same childhood i don't know because like my mom broke the cycle of the fucked up way that she was raised Mm -hmm. and therefore like my brother sister and i are much more rounded adults compared to like what her 
brothers and sisters are were mm-hmm. um so but not many parents have the the insight to yeah. do that kind of thing and i think it does stem from a lot of not inability but just lack of perspective in seeing your child as their own person they have their own internal world they are a self mm. by like by themselves they aren't part of you you aren't part of them they're another human being yeah and i think something that really kind of tragically shows that contrast is like before like way back in korea the news the way that they would cover certain like certain stories of like parents who committed suicide with their children so like unfortunate like maybe like financial circumstances they just like didn't see an end and so they commit suicide and instead of calling that a murder suicide because they kill their children and then they commit suicide they would call it tongbanjasar or like joint suicide mm-hmm. so they're basically just disca- like completely occluding the fact that the child is their own self and they didn't choose that course of so action they are ignoring the fact that the child was murdered exactly oh my god so they don't like the language around that wasn't presenting the child as its as their own entity as their own person so this goes extremely deep oh definitely and like the language around that has changed now where they correctly refer to it as a murder mm. suicide it's not you know joint suicide anymore but there's a lot of like cultural history or legacy in this idea that your children are part of you as the parent language can be cleverly used to hide flaws in a mm. society or in your own behavior it reminds me a little bit about that thing when we said i'm sorry if you were offended mm. it's basically saying that you didn't have a right to be offended mm-hmm. or i don't understand why you are hurt yeah. and yeah that's the power of language like honestly people say this a lot and we say this too words mean things so that kind of like story or that you know like little factoid always gets me cuz it came up in one of my grad school classes where we were discussing selfhood and mm-hmm. autonomy and how the wording around joint suicide versus murder suicide it disguises the fact that there is a whole other human being there who was killed they didn't choose to commit suicide along with their parent they just had to go along with this parent's decision yeah for them So when you say then um joint suicide instead of murder suicide people see that in the news and for them then it's also okay if they are considering joint suicide and then they don't Ooh. see it as I'm murdering my kid but when you change the language and you say it's a murder suicide exactly. then that's a different effect that it has on society because media does control society not control media has a very big influence on society. So, as everyone knows, I am a massive fan of Maya Angelou and I will repeatedly mention her name <laughs> on this podcast because I really do think everyone can benefit from her teachings. One of the things that she says that's very famous is when people show you who they are, believe them mm. the first time. So, when he shows you a lack of respect the first time, believe him because it's going to happen again and again and again you teach people how to treat you oh yes 
you teach people how to treat you. Mm. That's not to overgeneralize or like victim blame because you can't do something against like if someone isn't respecting your boundaries and you tell them and they continue to do that, you can't fix them in a way that they will respect your boundaries. The best you can do is to leave that situation. It reminds me a bit of what we said about apologies. When someone apologizes and you say, oh, no, it's okay. What are you actually telling them? Yeah, like it's okay to not respect you as a human being. That shouldn't exactly. be the message. So you should be saying, you know what? What you did was not okay. It was fucked up. Don't use my language. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Phrase it a little way. more delicately. Just, but yeah, definitely. You should be very mindful of when your boundaries are broken or crossed and actually learn to say no when it's no say so so like circling back to kids and parents and boundaries i think it's important to realize to recognize that like leaving a situation where someone keeps on violating your boundaries or not respecting them isn't something that all kids or most kids can do because you're dependent on your parents until a certain age until you have a certain amount of financial freedom or independence, you depend on them for your day-to-day -day life. For your existence. For your existence. And so, like, what can you really do in a situation where you have to stay in close contact in a relationship with someone who doesn't respect your boundaries? That happens especially in relationships where there is some level of emotional or physical abuse that goes. The boundaries have been crossed and the other person their state of mind gets so manipulated mm -hmm. that they are unable to leave. So that's another example. And um, what you do in that case is the best is, I guess, would be not to talk about it directly, but find a softer way to let that person know that you are a safe space where they can talk to. Oh, and as someone on the outside of the situation. On the outside, yeah. Right. So eventually, hopefully, they can open up to you and you can find a way to help them if they ask for help. And a child cannot ask for help. So I think it is the obligation of parents, teachers, adults who see this happening, not to go, oh, that's none of my business. I think if a child is getting harmed, it is your business. Oh, especially. And it's legally your business if you are like a kindergarten teacher or yeah. like a teacher, if you are like a social service worker. and Like it is your business is your to business. put a stop to that. And so I think this really does circle back or go back to our point about like it's important to listen to people if they say they're being hurt or if they say that they want to maintain certain boundaries with you where like children might not be able to outright say like oh i am being abused please help me but mm. there are going to be other indicators where as an adult or as like someone with more experience in the world you should be able to empathize and to you know try to see some way of rectifying that situation and if you cannot rectify it yourself there are many avenues of help that you can um explore um, and the best way is to ask and communicate find out like i keep saying my google is free and i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. yours is too mm -hmm. you can find information online if you th think someone is hurting or is being abused or if you see the behavior of a child changing 
ask questions. If you see the behavior of your best friend changing and you can't understand why, you can let them know that you are there, that you want to listen. And I think it's especially important because of our ages, mm-hmm. the ages of our listeners. Like people are starting to settle down and have families. People are starting to think about having kids or having them. And oh, it's yeah. just keeping in mind, like what kind of behaviors do you want to encourage in your kids and your future kids, what do you want to teach them about boundaries, about respecting themselves and about respecting others? Be conscious of teaching them respect for themselves, respect for other people, but also letting them figure it out themselves. You cannot police your child. There is a level of social um, learning that goes on when you can't see anything. (laughs) Right, but you should still be maintaining a safe space for them to do that learning. Exactly. Oh, but this is so difficult because I don't have a child and I think I don't have a that's child. the reason why I I probably won't have a kid because I worry about all these <laughs> intricate little details of their social development that I would probably want to control, but I, I, I can't. So my obsessive personality may not be that great. But then again, maybe my introspective, like deeply introspective part of me could also be beneficial and be like you know what i shouldn't be teaching this child this bad behavior of mine or whatever (laughs) but i think even as people who don't have children there's still like a minimum baseline that we can all agree on like it's good to teach your child boundaries for others and themselves yeah like you can just look at what you didn't like like examine your childhood and something that may have been horrible that parents did. Like we said, like teachers or adults commenting on your face, your body or whatever. Don't fucking do that shit with children. Don't do it. I get so, so <laughs> riled up about that. Like do not comment on a child's body, on the clothes they wear, on their hairstyle, on their height, on whatever. You have absolutely no right to comment on a child anything. When you look like a fucking grocery bag. (laughs) Like, unless it is actually hurting them, unless it is actually endangering them in some way, then, like, why do you care? Let them experiment. Yeah. Unless that child is bullying someone. Yeah. That doesn't even mean that you have the right to bully them by commenting on them or anything like that. Don't bully them. Just stop them bullying. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But again, this is all advice from the childless. From the childless. So... (laughs) We have a level of emotional detachment from the issue that I'm sure a lot of parents, like, daily struggle with. Yeah. That we wouldn't be able to really, really understand, empathize with, with, yeah. So, boundaries are a huge part of maintaining your mental health Mm -hmm. and not infringing on other people's mental health. (laughs) Um, (laughs) On that note... What is one thing you did this week, Ivor, to keep up with your mental health? I used to do this thing where I would plan out my day. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the road, I lost that. But I do know that it is extremely helpful. So I tried this week on Monday. The first thing I did when I woke up was plan my day and said, I will have breakfast. I will do this. I will exercise. I will stretch. I will do all these things. Mm -hmm. So you kind of like the first thing in the morning when you plan your day you are more likely to have a successful productive day and that sense of accomplishment does wonders for your mental health because 
part of like depression or grief or um, confusion or just apathy is that sense of no purpose. Yeah. And planning your day does create a level of purpose, even if it is taking care of yourself, like you plan to take care of yourself, right. like your face routine or decluttering hmm. or just plan it and be specific Yeah, and having a plan makes you accountable to that plan so if like when you do those things it feels more like you're taking control of your own life you feel so adult yeah, yeah taking control of your own life take control of the trajectory of your growth mm -hmm. hmm. what about you um i was gonna say something else but now that you mention it i decluttered Ooh. or i i I actually cleaned like I did everything like every corner of my room I like organized all of my drawers and my clothes um, I set it up so that everything would be very accessible to me like the clothes I wear more mm. are like further out than the ones I wear less like just little things changing my surroundings changing my environment so that it would be the most efficient and the most comfortable for me like make your environment conducive to peace or ease or yeah. yeah and if you take just a little bit of time every day to plan and organize that you save yourself a lot of time one day when everything is in disarray yeah so like i can go one day now where i don't pick up and i don't reorganize mm. and it's not going to send me into this like spiral of depression and apathy and feeling like a lack of control over anything mm. um now that everything is in order i can just kind of let it go for one day and then come back when i'm feeling better and pick up where i left off yeah like this is very important what you said about the one day thing and this is a tip that everyone can use um from your tip guru ivor uh, <laughs> <laughs> um is whatever habit you have or are trying to establish, like if you feel like you do need to break it for one day, it's okay. It's okay. But you must pick it up the next day or the day after. Do not lax on something for more than two days. Otherwise, the likelihood is you will not do it again. And the thing that I've learned or that I've realized about habits is if you have the mentality where you feel like if I don't do it every single day, mm -hmm. every day in a row, then it's not a real habit that I have. Get rid of that mentality because it's not serving you and it sets yourself up for failure because you feel like if you're just too human one day and you let yourself go and you can't bring yourself to do it that one day, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, I don't have this habit anymore. I'm not this kind of person. When you have been so consistent so far what you're focusing on then is oh i don't have the habit anymore and then you become apathetic and then you exactly. just don't do it instead of focusing on the times that you did do it and you did and how you felt and how successful it was when you focus on those emotions you are more likely to continue the habit yeah yeah okay that's great so um any shout outs this week oh okay finally giving a shout out to jane for bringing us together so jane and our other mutual friend, Michael, have this amazing podcast, um, The Content and the Machine. I love them. I'm listening to my backlog of missed episodes from them. Same. I've recently crawled out of my cave of despair and thesis revisions. So I now have the free time to listen to podcasts and do things that I enjoy. And The Content and the Machine has been a huge part of that. So shout out to Jane and Michael. Yeah, big shout out because the content they cover in their ninth season oh yeah is... no that was a mistake michael glitched but yeah anyway. they're they're on season three now very impressive 
track very record, impressive. very substantial content. And Jane and Michael just have the best dynamic. They really do. I like ours, but there's a special. <laughs> there's a special. And um, it plays a big part in my life because they connected us. Mm, so they did. I'm happy. Um, and also shout out to Venus. I know that you listen to every episode and you told me like you use us to start out your week since we post on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Thank you for always appreciating us and sending us your feedback and connecting with us however you can. And thank uh, you, Maggie. We are oh, definitely yes. going roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of thanks this week. Lots, lots of gratitude of and appreciation. Also, a big shout out to James. Thank you. Your feedback is more than invaluable. You have no idea. All right, guys. So if there is something that you liked, something that struck a chord with what we said, um, send it on to a friend and uh, maybe they can laugh at us or learn something. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we are currently in the process of getting onto Spotify and Google and our Facebook is coming. Our new logo is coming. YouTube is coming. Actually, when you listen to this episode, that would be the logo. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. God. And YouTube and Facebook and uh, all these social things. All these new developments. Yeah. So if you have any questions and um, feedback, please email us at uh, fineisthis. At gmail.com. Thank you. Or you can DM us on Instagram. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.